Hi, welcome to Solo BG Podcast. My name is Derek and this is episode number 91. And today it's going to be a different one because we're going to talk about two games. One of them being a Kickstarter preview. So stay tuned for this episode for that matter. Also, we're going to talk about another game that I call these kind of games like underrated game and very indie. Uh, but I played the game already and I played a few times and you know what? You will hear my impressions. And of course, as you can read on the title, the game, the indie game that I'm mentioning, it's Streets of Steel, uh, the Kicking Asphalt one, because there's two. So I'm going to talk about the base game from Kicking Asphalt, the retail version. And also, this is a Kickstarter preview for Patria Libre, which is an upcoming Kickstarter by Malinche Games. Soon, soon to be released, I believe, towards the end of this month, which is April. Uh, today's today's date, as I'm recording, it's Monday, April the 12th, uh, and I'm recording about 8 p.m. So you get the idea that hopefully this Kickstarter will be on air, I guess, or live uh, towards the end of this month. Anyway, I'm very happy that you're here with me on the other side of the speaker, episode number 91. We are getting so close, so close to that uh, episode number 100, and that makes me very happy. I know I've been saying the same on the last probably 10 episodes, but, well, it is what it is, right? I'm I'm so happy for it. Uh, and actually, well, if you want to support the show, in that way we can make it to that episode number 100 and even more, probably 100 more, hopefully. Uh, there's many ways that you can do it. Uh, most of them are free. You can follow us in social media, Solo BG Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you know, that's an, one big, big way that you can support the show, giving us a like in Facebook and a following on Twitter or Instagram. It's always uh, very welcome and it always makes me very happy. Uh, in that way, we can reach to more people through social media. Uh, another way that you can do it as well is subscribing. Subscribing if you're listening through iTunes, uh, giving us a review on iTunes as well. Preferably five-star reviews. <laughs> in that way, you know, uh, iTunes has like a weird algorithm that once you submit those things, uh, the show is able to reach to more listeners. So that's another big way and a free way that you can support the show. And lastly, you can get some cool games uh, from kickstartedgames.com. That's kickstarted, kickstartedgames.com with the ED. Uh, and you get... 15% off from your total purchase, uh, putting the code SOLOBG. Altogether, SOLOBG, and you get 15% off from your total purchase. Uh, free shipping on the United States when you spend $100 or more. So there you go. You can get yourself some cool games from Kickstarter Games. And at the same time, well, you are supporting the show. I'm not going to lie to you. You're supporting the show by doing that. Uh, so I'm ready. I'm ready to start. What about you? I'm pretty sure you are as well. Like I said, this is going to be... One of those special episodes where we mix two games and we talk about them and I tell you, you know, what I think of them. Uh, also, once again, Street, on, Street of Steels, Kicking Asphalt, and Patria Libre, which is an upcoming Kickstarter by my Lynche Games, and Saul Sanchez. So with that being said, let's start like the 91 episodes, well, including this one, the 90 episodes before this one. Like always, in three, two, one. Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Alrighty, so we are officially in episode number 91. And you know, I've been playing a few games since last time. You and I, we talked through the speaker, and not that many. Unfortunately, I've been busy with life. You know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, doing right now a master's degree, and I'm, uh, work also keeps me busy. But I've been trying to, you know, play as much as I can. And actually, I didn't play too many different games, but I play the games that I played. I play them quite a bit and a few times, and that should give you a hint that some of them, I actually enjoy them a lot. And one of them, it's, of course, Streets of, Streets of Steel Kicking Asphalt, which is the one that we're going to talk about tonight, or this evening, or this morning, so I won't say 
that much of it yet, but all I can share is that I've been playing it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and I will tell you my impressions, of course. Um, also, I play I play another game that some of my friends were very excited about it, and I was curious too, but I ended up bringing it to the table. Well, I don't own a copy, but somebody else brought it to the table, and I have mixed feelings about it. It seems like it's been getting amazing feedback from all the you know from all the fans, hobby industry, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but yeah, it's a game that I have mixed feelings. And I'm talking about Whistle Mountain. Um, this game, I don't remember the publisher right now, but Whistle Mountain basically it's a full Euro game uh, with with some hand management, worker placement, of course, some sort of area control as well. Um, it's an interesting game, which uh, fantastic production, I have to say. The production is fantastic. Uh, you get your tableau, and then it has like little uh, six slots where you're going to uh, put some, um, I guess, abilities that you can use during the game. But those, one, those ones kind of fit like a puzzle part, kind of. Uh, you know, so it, it looks pretty cool. Um, and also the meeples that you use, I guess, to go to different places and use the actions are very nice. One is like just like a... Uh, a big balloon, right? And the other ones are like a little, I don't know, it's, it's in language barrier here, but like a little, you know, airship, I guess. And then you have a bigger one at the same time that you can go and place it and try to uh, build uh, machines. Uh, and that way you can use them. You can place yourself also in certain areas where if you are adjacent to other areas, well, you will get the rewards from them or you will be able to active, um, uh, you know, devices that they were already placed on the board. Um there's also some places that you can go and get some cards, and those cards will give you different abilities during the game. And at the end, you're trying to reach out victory points. Now, the production is very cool because it's some sort of like, I, as you can probably guess, it's, it's in a mountain, right? So you start at the bottom of the mountain, and there's some water. There's And you be, you're building kind of like uh, platforms, kind of, you know, that's, I guess, the, the theme of the game. You're, be, you're building platforms, and once you reach a certain level... Uh, you know, it will trigger the end of the game. But as you're building different platform rows, water keeps increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. And uh, probably uh, meeples that you save previously on previous turns uh, and you put them on those platforms, well, now they're going to start to drown, of course, because the water is reaching out to them. So it has some very interesting mechanics. Um, it will be a lie for me to give you an impression right now because, once again, I only played it once. And I really scored very low. I mean, it was something like my two friends, they scored like 170, 180, and I scored like 70, for, you know, just to, to give you an idea. So my experience wasn't as fun as I wish, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't. But at the same time, this game has received a lot of amazing feedback from a lot of gamers out there. So because of that, I really want to give it another try and see how I feel now that I know pretty much the whole rules of the game and I get the gimmick of the game and and how it works so you know probably my impressions can change and I, I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that if they change they will change more towards a positive feedback of the game like right now if you ask me with my first experience I will probably give it a three out of five uh, but it's not fair since I only played it once, right? So anyway, I just wanted to share with you that I played that game and that I'm looking forward to try another time just to see just to see how it goes and see if I can do better. Another game that you cannot play solo and that I played uh, and uh, I actually had a fantastic time with this edition, it's Mysterium Park. Um, but Mysterium Park is the, um, I think it's one of the amusement park thing or like a circus park or something. Um, you know, well, actually, I think this one is called Mysterium Park, better said. And the other one is just called Mysterium. I played Mysterium before, you know, the main board game, the main base game, I guess, the core set, if you want to call it, where basically one is that a psychic trying to, you know, or that uh, medium trying to communicate with everybody else, all the other investigators. And it was fun, but at the same time, it didn't, you know, wake up anything on me and I, I was like yeah whatever other board game that's fine but then I try Mysterium Park it's so fast so easy so accessible and so fun at the same time that I actually enjoy it like quite a bit uh, I'm really thinking I'm getting a copy for myself because once again I played this game in another friend's house and this is I think one of those games that literally literally you don't need 
any language. There's no language, just to start with. Like, there's no language. Like, anybody can play it in any language, and that's fantastic. Because I will share with you in my situation, personal situation, um, you know, uh, being bilingual, sometimes I have friends or family that they don't relate very well with games that they have a lot of, you know, language, especially in English, like cards that will activate or abilities or things like that. So when I play these games that they don't require any language, and basically you can play it anywhere in the world, because it's just pictures, I love them, and especially when they work pretty well. Which, by the way, if you're listening something in the background, it's my dogs that are just playing around the the room. But, um, you know, this is a game that basically you're just going by clues, by pictures, and trying to do your best. And that's basically it. Once again, one is going to have the role of the medium, and other players will be, the, the I guess, the psychic people that will try to investigate uh, you're trying to find, of course, your identity first, like who you were. And then at the end, you were going to try to find the killer and the location uh, or the murderer on the location. And it's it's great. I mean, of course, this is a game that I guess the downside could be that you have to find the right group of people to play. Because I think this game can be so much enjoyable, like very, very, very enjoyable as long as the theme and the atmosphere is there. Like, let's say you're getting close to Halloween times, and let's say that you're having a dinner with friends, and then everybody's like, hey, you know what, let's turn on the lights, let's dim the lights a little bit, and, you know, probably put some some candles, if you like, just to set up the mood, uh, and get a couple of drinks, and then, you know, whoever is going to be the, the clue giver, I guess, or the or the medium can start to, uh, you know, throw the atmosphere there. If, if you want, throw a little bit of narrative, you know, make... Kind of give your 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 dungeon master aspect, I guess, and bring it to the atmosphere. And then, if you do that, I believe that if you have these aspects, and then why not do the Derek style and have a, a soundtrack playing on the background? If you do all these things, I think this game will be so much rich and enjoyable, and everybody will have a very nice experience. Uh, versus if you play the game just without any atmosphere, uh, almost no no theme, no no dungeon master aspect, and you just bring it to the table, it will still be fun. Don't get me wrong, it will still be fun. But I think it can be way, 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 uh, you know, uh, funnier if you set up all those aspects that surround the game, and I think the game can shine and, you know, and, and, and be a great game. Like, I guess it's supposed to be. But that was Mysterium Park. And it's weird that, you know, such a small games and, and, of course, that they cannot be played solo, that I actually ended up loving them. But it happens. It happens. And I, I, I'm thinking seriously and truly to uh, to get a copy for myself and get a group of friends that I already have in mind and basically set up the mood. And believe me, when I do it, I will post a picture of how my gaming room looks and, you know, with the dim lights and probably some candles and drinks and stuff. And I will share some pictures with you uh, uh, on our so- on our social media, of course, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Solo VG Podcast. So there you go. That's my commitment with you. What else I have been playing? I play... Um, oh, my God. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. I played this game, <laughs> the Indiana Jones work replacement game. You know that I'm talking about. You know which game I'm talking about. It's a game that has been creating a lot of fuss lately. It's on the hottest list on um, BGG. Everybody's talking about it. Solo board gamers are talking about it all the time, especially my good friend Martin Gonzalez on so on the solo board gaming groups. is talking about this game a lot, uh, which, by the way, you can also listen to him in Solosaurus, uh, which is a podcast that I highly recommend for solo gamers. Um, this game, he fell in love with this game. Then I started to hear f- Foss everywhere uh, and good reviews from the game. 
Then I went to my gaming store last weekend, uh, and I got a copy of it, and I've been playing it. And literally, is the Indiana Jones worker placement game that is, is probably one of my favorite Euros so far, I will tell you that, because the art, the production, everything is fantastic. And, oh, man, I really appreciate when a Euro game brings good art. Uh, you know, you will hear in some interviews that are upcoming in the podcast on these special episodes as we reach episode 100. There are some interviews over there where I talk to designers and publishers and I talk about Euro games and how, uh, you know, the art is not very appealing to me most of the times. But this one, the art, the components, the production, everything is fantastic. And if you like the theme of, once again, Indiana Jones, uh, ruins and exploring and you know, adventures and monsters and guardians and temples. Well, this is a game for you. And I'm talking about The Lost Ruins of Arnak by Min and Elvin, and it's published by CGE or Sedge Games Edition. It's a unique game. I will spoil you that already. I'm not going to tell you anything else regarding my impressions just because you know, and this is a big hint, that uh, when I really enjoy a game when i really do most likely it will have an episode on the podcast so with that being said lost ruins of arnak will have an episode of the from the i'm uh, sorry on the podcast i will tell you right now everything the quality of the productions once again the art components mechanics is it's just unique it's very unique uh i haven't have well i'm not gonna lie there's some Euro games that I really enjoy when they have great solo modes. For example, one of my favorites, it's Scythe. I love the art from Scythe. I love the production from Scythe. And I love how it plays solo. Raiders of the North Sea, another fantastic game that I like the art and production that I actually enjoy solo a lot. Another game that I love the theme. The theme is the main thing that attracts me. And, and, and also the components as well, the production. I love when, honestly, I love when Euro games really evolve and and they start to be like okay let's give you let's give the players a great solo mode but at the same time fantastic art and fantastic productions because then you have games that are very good like Assassin's of Burgundy with an awful awful um you know art I'm talking about the first edition but the other game that I was mentioning is Black Angel that's another one that I super duper love you know playing it solo playing it in multiplayer it's fantastic well um Lost Ruins of Arnak it ties. It ties those games for me. And spoiler alert, it might be probably, you know, that unique Euro game for me. And I'm certain that it will reach those top lists towards the end of the year. So so I don't want to spoil you anymore. Believe me, I want, I want at the same time, I want to talk about Lost Ruins of Arnak. But uh, I cannot do it right now because I really want to give the game the episode that it deserves. Uh, with that being said... Let's jump into today's episode because, once again, we need to talk about two games. Uh, we're not going to go by sections of boxing cover and all that stuff just because it's, it's simpler to, you know, just talk about the game in general and then uh, go from there. Um, and, you know, I will do some section dividing, I guess, between one game and the other one. So with that being said, let's start with the upcoming Kickstarter. Once again, it's going to be live towards the end of April. Hopefully, that's what I was told by uh, Saul Sanchez, which is actually the designer. And he uh, is, the, I believe, the CEO from the company, from the publisher uh, Malinche Games, which is originally from Mexico. And this game, it's called Patria Libre. Once again, the game that I received, it's a prototype copy that actually you can check on our social media. I put some, some pictures over there. And that way you can see the components. What is, what is this game about? I mean, what is Patria Libre? You, you probably are wondering. Well... It's based on the war um, from North America between the time of 1810 and 1821. And basically, uh, Patria Libre, it, it happens in 1821, is a game that reenacts the historic events occurring in Mexico or New Spain between 1810 and 1821. It is played with two sides of uh, the insurgents which sought to separate from Spain and the royalists who tried to prevent it. It is a game for two to four players, which it will have a solo mode. I didn't try the solo mode at all because the rules are not developed yet, but I tried the multiplayer a few times, so I will tell you all about it. 
And uh, you basically you're gonna use the orders uh, to enable uh, that will enable you to recruit, move, attack, level up units, collect taxes, build a stronghold, or buy event or character cards. And your your objective is to gain more victory points than the other side. To achieve this, you must control key regions and use cards who match with your with your faction. Uh, and of course, there's many components that are gonna be key for you to achieve these goals. Now, what you're going to receive on your Kickstarter or the idea of this prototype is to show what you will receive on the base game on the Kickstarter. Well, you will get the game board. You will get the leader tokens, which once again, they're based on the Mexican or New Spain uh, history on that time. For example, Morelos, Hidalgo, Calleja, Venegas. You will also going to get popularity markers. You're going to get uh, your strength tokens. You're going to get coins, uh, gold, uh, which or, or they're called uh, you know pesos as well, which is the Mexican currency. You're going to get them in gold and silver, and they will have different amounts. Like the gold will be equivalent to three pesos, and the silver will be equivalent to one peso. You will get the victory point markers, the domain markers. You're also going to get the leader cards, uh, you know, uh, you know that that from the characters that you will choose for the game, and you're gonna get uh, the characters and event cards as well that they will be triggering during the game. You on, you're also gonna get the artillery troops, uh, infantry troops, cavalry troops, um, the popular board, which is has a pretty interesting mechanic, and the orders, which is for perfection. Which is this is a thing that I like and I find unique from the game that I will tell you a little bit in, uh, more in a little bit. And basically, you're going to be playing in the different variants that you can do. There's variants for two-player setup or for two-player versions, I'm sorry, when you're going to be trying to meet certain criteria in order to win. There's also, uh, you know, uh, other ways that you can play the game, which basically is free-for-all, which is whoever gets more victory points, uh, you know, uh, wins the game. And there's different ways that the game can end or that the end of the game can trigger. So basically, basically in this game, once again you're going to try to achieve and to have more control of certain areas. Of course, we're talking about the New Spain or Mexico area. And you're going to be doing by activating different factions. Now, there's going to be a deck of events that is going to be moving kind of like a clockwise every turn. So, for example, you will have three events on the top of the on the board where you're going to start with. Uh, and then, basic four events, I'm sorry. And then, once you finish a turn, the one on the left goes away if it has an event that triggered at the time it will trigger and then another one comes up and it will have three phases basically for those events so it will be a, a deck with level one deck with level two deck with level three or a stage one two and three and once it, all those uh, stages are gone that's also a end of the game uh, condition and that's basically you're trying to get victory points now the interesting mechanic here that makes it different and it's not just a simple uh, area control game board where you're trying to place your meeples, is that you will have those four order tokens that you will use in order to give actions during your turn. So it has also an aspect of, uh, you know, uh, action selection program, let's say, uh, before your turn. So each token, it will, have, it will be dual side. So one side, it will trigger one action. Let's say you're going to collect taxes on one side. And on the other side, it might say something like, well, I'm going to bring artillery. So on your turn, you're going to choose which token you're going to use, and you're going to place it depending on the side that you want to activate. Let's say you want to, uh, you know, uh, get some taxes well, or collect some taxes. Well, you're going to place it with that side face up. That particular token that on the other side has the rivalry uh, action. And that's it. You're going to resolve the turn. Then the other players will do the same, and then it will come to you. You have three remaining. So then, once again, all the three remaining will have three different actions on each side. So they're all dual. You're going to do the same, and so on and so forth. And your turn, you can also choose to basically forfeit your turn and rest and get everything back. But the, the nice gimmick of this game, or the interesting gimmick of this game, is that if you pick up one token that you previously placed to resolve an action, you have to do now the other side. So basically, if you use one token to collect taxes, once you pick up that token and you want to play it again in the future turns, you cannot collect taxes anymore. You cannot use the side to collect taxes anymore. Now you have to use the other side, which in this case, like we were putting as an example, it, it will bring the artillery. 
So with that being said, you have to be very cautious of which actions you use, and that also adds a lot of tension towards the timing of the game. And I think that mechanic is very interesting. Also, you can buy cards or characters from the events deck that they will be coming on. And those ones, uh, I guess the idea is that you can attach them as well on those tokens, and you have improve abilities and you know and, and improve turns basically better actions that you can do every turn so that's the whole idea of patria libre it will have a scoring track once again of 30 victory points which that if you know if you met certain conditions and if you have the most victory points you win the game for example i will read you right now victory conditions and end game uh you know after a turn is resolved game ends if one of the following four conditions is met one have an advantage of 10 victory points or more over the other side you know so if you are playing with a team in a two-player game and at some point you have 10 victory points more than your opponent well guess what you win the game or if after resolving your turn uh a card size uh you know uh, uh one of the players control three different provinces with enemy flags wins the game that thematically represents that you basically control the new Spain. So if you were in the side of those that you were supporting to Spain to control uh, the Mexican territory and you're able to control three enemy flags, in this case, three Mexican flags, well, you will win the game. Or on the contrary, if you were from the side that you wanted to, you know, basically take the Spaniards away, well, if at some point you control three territories where uh, there's a Spaniard's flags, well, you won't win the game. Uh, if the victory point ever reaches or surpasses 30 victory points, well the game end will trigger and uh, when the last card is resolved as well from all these stages that i mentioned before when the last card when the last card is resolved also the game ends and once again whoever has more victory points win the game another interesting mechanic where you can gain victory points is by playing with the popular track so as you are advancing on the popular track through different actions you will get some benefits but also you can go low on the popular track if you do certain things, some of like, you know, like the idea on the popular track of side, I, I got the same feeling. This game has a lot to offer. I have to tell you that uh, this game is once again designed by Saul Ch Sanchez, which is the same designer from Tierra y Libertad, which was another Kickstarter that came out about two years ago. And I can see, I can definitely tell you because I uh, they were very kind. And a few months ago, they sent me the... Um, uh, the what is it called the Tierra y Libertad, which was the antecessor, I guess, or predecessor from Patria Libre. I can tell you that Saul has been growing as a designer already. I can tell you that there's more, there's more complexity in this game, and there's mechanics that they feel more smooth at the same time. There's some nice ideas here. Um, there's some uh, good implementation of the theme. Definitely, the game is very rich in theme and in history. Uh, he's, he does his best at trying to translate, once again, the events that occur on that time uh, in, in a board game, basically. This is not a war game, though. Even if it falls in that uh, era and time period, this is not a war game. This is, I believe, an area control game with a nice uh, uh, action program mechanics. Um, you know, that's basically, that's basically the two main mechanics of the game. Uh, so it, don't get don't jump into Kickstarter with the idea. Okay, another cool war game with a cool theme. You know, uh, this theme is appealing for me. Uh, you know, from those times in Mexico. No, this is not a war game. This is a, a completely board game. And I can I can definitely see the seal uh, from Malinche Games aiming towards games that you can actually split on teams. Which sometimes that can be tricky though because there's a lot of gamers that they're not appealing to those kind of games. And there's some other gamers that they have a group of, I don't know, four game, four players, I'm sorry. And those games can suit very well for, for those game nights, I guess. You know, where they can play two versus two. Um, the free-for-all version is there, of course. There's always the option for that. But I think uh, the main idea of this game, particularly, it's either to play one versus one or two versus two. Or even two versus one, I guess, if you wanna if you wanna call it that way. Once again, the solo mode, I haven't tried it. I'm pretty sure it will be interesting. And if at some point I try it, if at some point they send me the rules and I keep this prototype, or they send me a, a, a production copy, if they are successful with the Kickstarter, believe me that I will mention it as well. I think this is a game that has very interesting mechanics. 
you know, very uh, unique and innovating mechanics and an excellent theme that it will have a solo mode that I will be looking forward to try. Uh, and with that being said, just stay tuned for, for this for this game. On the With the prototype components that I receive, I can tell you that, of course, it feels like a prototype. It feels homemade, to be honest with you. But the art that they're using, it's pretty cool. Actually, it's way better than the one from Tierra y Libertad. Uh, Tierra y Libertad, I actually liked it. But the art, I wasn't a huge fan of it. The components, they were nice, but I wasn't a huge fan of it either. Patria Libre, the art, I can definitely see that they improve in the art. It has a very cool uh, cover on the box. Actually, once again, you can see them on the social media. I post some pictures there. Um, and also, the components, I'm sure that they will look very, very good once the production comes. Because I can see a very well-landed idea of design and a strong design on this game. That, that I wouldn't understand if the components are not good quality. So just stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that game uh, because it's, uh, it's coming up very soon on Kickstarter. Once again, uh, we are recording on the second week of April 2021. And I'm pretty sure this Kickstarter will be live on uh, the end of April or beginning of May. According, once again, to the publisher that sent me this prototype for me to try it. And they gave me all that information. So with that being said, let's go really quick. Uh, you know, for uh, for a message from our sponsor, and we will be back to talk about the second game of the episode. Are you looking for that Kickstarter game that you missed during the Kickstarter campaign? Are you looking for that awesome and mythic expansion for one of your favorite board games? Are you sad because you didn't got the Kickstarter version of that game? Or perhaps you are like me and like to get a game with Kickstarter exclusive components and stretch goals. Well, don't look any further and go right now to kickstartergames.com. There, you will find Kickstarter board games, expansions, Kickstarter exclusive content, graphic novels, RPG novels, toys and collectibles, and much more. Kickstarter Games is my favorite site to go and get those amazing games that I want to have on my gaming collection. Plus... They offer free shipping in the US when you spend $99 or more. And if that wasn't enough, right now you can get a 15% off if you use the code SOLOBG. That's right, use the code SOLOBG altogether and obtain 15% off from your total purchase. So go right now and check it out while you listen to this episode. Once again, www kickstartedgames.com and enjoy all those amazing games. Okay, so we are here to talk about Streets of Steel, Kicking Asphalt, and this is the side-scrolling four-player co-op uh, 80s retro future beat-em-up board game. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of description here. Uh, it's uh, published by Wild, uh, Wild Power Games. Uh, I don't. I know the designer, and ho I'm sorry because I don't see the name yet. But I know the designer. It's the same guy that made Guitar Hero, <laughs> the video game. That's right. It's the same designer from Guitar Hero. So can you believe it? Now we're getting uh, an arcade, uh, an arcade game to a board game, Streets of Steel. Let me tell you this. I never was aware of the Kickstarter. Never, 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 never from this game, which I'm surprised because I really like the art of these uh, type of games, the components, you know, the idea, all the stuff. I'm a huge, uh, you know, fan of uh, of pixel art, I guess. And I miss it. I didn't saw this game until somebody posted on social media. And then I did my research and I was like, oh, that game looks cool. Looks cool. Let me order a copy for myself. And I got a copy of myself from Kicking Asphalt, which I believe there's another uh, core game, which is called Russian Scare or something like that. And you can mix them together and play with both of them and whatever. Um, and the idea of this game, at least for what they're telling us, it's to literally uh, uh, go back in time and, and play a side-scrolling arcade game, but in our tables. Uh, the box of the game is not that big. It's actually kind of small, which is nice. Not very small, but, you know, decent size. Uh, and it has a cool cool cover that I love, which is basically like an old arcade. And you have the characters of the game, of this version at least. You have Average Joe, you have Candy, Kiki, Major Van Damme, and you have 
the mutant boss and uh, some of the baddies there as well. And you have all the um, the arcade buttons and everything and some coins. Uh, actually, the things that you will use inside the game. And as we open the game, the components are good. Are good enough for the game. Now, there's a version that has minis, though. But this is those. this is one of those games... That you don't want the minis. You want the standees. And believe me, I'm a huge fan of minis. But on this one, the standees work fantastic. Because, of course, you want to get that 8-bit uh, or 16-bit, uh, I guess, whatever you want to call Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Nostalgia Arcade uh, art. So I think the standees do a great job. So basically, in a few words... Well, you want me to tell you about the components? I will tell you about the components. Why not? Let's see. I'm open this big... This, uh, bad boy here and i will tell you what it's including um it includes eight street styles which you're gonna be playing them and making the board with them uh four hero figures with the color bases they're pretty i will tell you my impressions in a little bit four hero cards four body cards the item cards behavior cards uh boss card event cards uh the uh the standee for the box boss body uh and base uh the 19 bodies figures one player talking with it which is a Arcade control, which I love. So I spoiled you with that already. Uh, 26 health tokens, 6 item tokens, 16 wild power tokens, quarter tokens, rough terrain tokens, and dice, of course. We all love dice. And if you're going to talk, I hate this term, but if you're going to talk about a merry trash, you have to have dice and have a blast with them. You get punch dice, danger dice, and kick dice. That's what you're going to find inside the box. What are you going to do with all this? You probably are wondering. Well, you're going to start to have a blast and has start to have an arcade adventure. So basically, you're going to lay out the street tiles. You're going to lay out three, and the other ones are going to be forming a stack. And during the game, you're going to keep advancing through that stack, and it's going to give you, I guess, the idea of visualizing how you're going to be scrolling in an arcade game, but in this case on the table, and you're gonna set up some baddies that they will have some predeterminated spaces on the board where they're gonna start with. Then you're gonna select your heroes depending on the number of players. If you're playing one player like I do, you're gonna choose three uh three heroes. If you're playing two players, well one hero each, three players, one hero each, four players, well, um, you know, do the same. <laughs> and basically you get your standing, you get your hero, you start with uh either if you wanna uh play the wimpy version, it's with five coins. Five quarters, if you want to put like a normal four quarters, you're going to play a hard three quarters. Believe me, you want to play a wimpy version. Uh, so you get those four, five quarters, you populate the board, and you're good to go. You're also going to have an event deck that will trigger in everybody's turn. Also, well, it's called behavior deck, better said, because you're going to have an event deck of five cards, and you're going to choose one randomly and mix it with those behavioral decks. Uh, for the baddies. You're also going to get a behavioral deck for the boss, but I will tell you more more about it in a little bit. And that's it. You're ready to go. You start with your character on the leftmost uh, side of the uh, left street tile, and then you start to move, punch, killing those guys. Are you killing them? As you're killing them, I'm sorry, you're getting tokens, which with those tokens, once you reach a certain level, you can do combos, you can activate for abilities, and that's basically it. So every time that a player goes, they have three actions. Move, attack, uh, do the uh, special ability. And after their turn, you're going to review an event card or a behavioral card, better said, for the baddies. And it will do something. Some baddies will come into the board or the same baddies that are on the board will attack you. Now, the, me the interesting mechanic is that as every arcade game, as you remember, most of the movements were orthogonally. And if you move from an away from an area that has a body, that body will uh, backstab you, basically. So that the theme is there. Believe me, the theme is there. So you're going to be playing like that. Then next player goes. Three actions. You know, kill some bodies, get some tokens, keep moving, keep moving. Because remember, those uh, tiles, streets, terrains, they're going to go. They're going to go away. Um, after you, after a player plays his three actions, then a behavioral deck and something else happens. Usually, or most of likely, bad things. Then the third player, in this case, if you're playing solar, if you're third character, um, you know, activates three actions, same thing happens. The interesting thing is that if, for example, if you're playing solo with three characters, after you have activated your third character, that a street that it's all the way to your left, the street tile that is all the way to your left, it's going to disappear, and every character that is on it is going to die. So if one of your characters is in that tile... 
he's gonna die. So you don't want to have your characters there. That's why sometimes it's good to sacrifice some backstabs and try to, you know, push your luck as you're rolling dice and keep moving forward. Uh, in that way, you can survive to that phase. Then you're gonna pass the player, the first player marker, to the next character, and you go in clockwise order again. Uh, you're gonna reveal another street tiles you're gonna put on the right, and you're gonna populate it, and you're gonna keep advancing as that until you reach the final street tile where the boss is gonna come out. And at that point, it's either kill or be killed. Now, the interesting thing here is that the behavioral deck that you played with before now goes away, throw it away, and then you bring a new behavioral deck that corresponds to the boss, which, of course, is going to have uh, more difficult and bad experience for your heroes. Uh, and at that point is, once again, kill or be killed, because if, even if all your characters have died, but one is surviving, and him or her it's able to defeat the bad guy, the boss, well, you have won your adventure of the arcade board game. If is the if the other the opposite situation happens, well, you have lost your adventure of the bo arcade board game, I guess. Um, now, of course, as you're doing all these and are you punching some baddies and stuff and having fun, you will have also some tableaus for the bad guys, and they will tell you, you know, that they're where they're gonna spawn, uh, their backstab uh, amount of dice or which type of dice they use. And as you kill them, how many tokens, rewards you get. Also, if one of your characters die, you basically take it away from the board, flip uh, that character tableau face down, and it will have like a grave, and it will say something like, at least he tried or whatever. And then when it's his turn again or her turn again, you use one of those quarters that you start the game with, you put it there, ideally, right, like an arcade machine, and you bring your character back to life, and you start on your leftmost space, and you start to kick some body's butts, you know, with those fantastic dice, uh, and then so on and so forth. The one game that you can, that, I'm sorry, one way that you can lose the game, of course, as you can probably imagine, is that if you run out of quarters or money, and everybody's dead, well, you lose the game. It's very thematic. It was like back on the good old days when we were all, uh, kids and we used to go to the arcade places and we wanted to play more and we were playing i don't know street fighter Mortal Kombat, uh, uh double dragon uh, the simpsons arcade well, any arcade that you want metal gear solid whatever and you you'd run out of uh, quarters and you were like i really want to play i was so close well same here you run out of quarters you lose the game and that's basically it now jumping to my impressions right now uh, about this game. I guess it's easier because this is, of course, a, a final production of the game. Talking about my impressions, I have heard mixed uh, mixed comments about this game. Not so many comments uh, off of this game. I guess the Kickstarter wasn't like that crazy successful, which is surprising because the theme is very cool and the art is very cool. I will spoil you that. But, you know, it's a very under-the-radar game and there have been mixed comments. You know, I saw some comments today about complaining about replayability on the game that it was very low, uh, you know, that it's only on one box, it's only one boss, and then if you get the other box, well, it's another boss, and you can mix them and get some sort of playability. But in my opinion, this game, yes, and let's start, I guess, with the review now from this game, my impressions. Um, the replayability, it's low in a certain way. So here is the thing, and this happened to me recently. I purchased a mini, a mini SNES, and I was playing some games that I used to love as a kid. Uh, one of them, for example, it was Hook, you know, the Peter Pan uh, Super Nintendo game. I used to love that game. I know, I know you can be like, come on, Derek, that's a lame game, whatever. I used to love it. That one and the Power Rangers, they were <laughs> some of my favorite video games for the Super Nintendo. I play those games right now, and probably it will take me, I don't know, 45 minutes to finish them, like completely. And then I started thinking, like, man, back on those days, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you re relate with me, back of those days, we used to stay up all night playing this, probably the same game over and over and over and over and over, or with, with our friends, you know, sleepovers and stuff. And we used to have a blast, of course, different times. But, you know, it was that way. Now, going back to another of my favorite games from the original Sega Genesis, Altered Beast, 
it was only like six levels, six, seven levels, six or seven. Remember the avoid from your grave. I mean, it was so fun. I used to have fantastic memories of this game. Once again, I played it recently. It went very fast, you know? I mean, it didn't took that long. So, going back to this board game, the idea of this game, they're not lying to you. They're telling you, hey, this game, it's, an, it's about an arcade game. We're trying to bring that nostalgic feeling towards the board game, and that's it. And that's it. I mean, honestly, there's no more. I mean, you're going to be playing the same thing over and over, but in a good way, in my opinion, because you, it's, like, it's just like that, just like a video game, but in a board game. Honestly, you can adjust the difficulty and stuff and, and you know, I, I, all, all the way that you can and to add replayability to make it different. Yes, if you're talking about replayability on making different every time, well, that you're right. There's no replayability. But as a fun or as the idea of being aware of what this game is about, I think the replayability will be there in the same matter as you playing the same video game over and over from the old school. So that's what I was trying to say. Uh, you know, I played this game already like seven times. I only win one time in normal mode. So it's hard. And it's very lucky based because sometimes you're rolling like great, just like most of the Ameritrash trash games. And sometimes you have bad rolls and that's it. I mean, there's no way that you can... There's some ways to mitigate the, the rolls, I guess. There's some tokens that you can use to reroll. The same that they help you for combos and stuff. But, I mean, it's only one token per one die. And, and you know, it the, the dice can be can punish you. The dice can punish you a lot. So so that's it. Now, components-wise, I, I like the components of the component whites. I mean, honestly, this is one of the, like I mentioned before, one of those weird games where I don't want minis at all. Like, I know on the Kickstarter there were minis. And there's actually a version that you can buy from their website that it includes minis. I will recommend you 100% go with the standees. The standees really give that art and that feeling of playing an arcade game. So just stick with the standees for this one. Believe me, I'm a huge mini fan. You know, I love to have uh, 3,000 minis on my <laughs> gaming room and have that fantasy of imagination that sometime in my life, probably once I get retired, I will paint all of them. Well, this, I don't want minis. I will hate to have minis for this game. That's why I recommend standees. The The cards are very standard quality, nothing nothing great. The dice, they're cool, but at the same time, they're not, um, you know, I, I mentioned before, fantastic, amazing dice, just because the excitement of the game, but the quality of the dice are actually very normal-ish, or, or it's something probably a little bit low. The tokens, the cardboard is very sturdy. The first player marker is probably one of my favorite things. The character tableau and the street tiles are very sturdy as well. As well, so uh, the components they you know they have a purpose and they serve well on this game. And that's basically it. I mean, you don't get too much on the box other than the excitement of trying to revive those cool memories of where you were playing arcade games from the good old days. And that's basically it. If you ask me what score I give to this game going to zero, from 0 to 5, where 5 is the best game ever and 0 is the worst game ever, for me, Streets of Steel has a solid 3.5, taking, taking in consideration everything that I mentioned. Once again, if you're looking at a game with an arcade theme that it will give you a lot of replayability in the aspect of facing different bosses, different levels, different things, different stories. No, it's not going to happen unless you get the two base boxes and you can mix them. Uh, once again, the other one is Russian Scare, which I don't, I honestly don't know what is in, in it. Probably some sort of ghouls or zombies or something, monsters. This is more like, a, you know, baddies on the street than a mutant um, boss. So... If you're looking for different stories and that stuff, this is probably not a game for you. If you're looking literally, literally to translate an arcade game to the board game table, I think this game accomplished that very well. I think they literally brought to the table what they said on the box. The side-scrolling four-player co-op 80s retro future beat-em-up board game. Because that's what it is. That's it. I mean, they're not lying. And it's sometimes it's, it's even weird to, to hear that and to, to be able to understand it. But think about it. How many games out there, they promise you something with the box, with the theme, with a previews. And then by the time that you place them on the table, they can be good. They can be bad. But it's nothing close to what they promise. This one, 
they actually, what they're saying, hey, this is a game of this. That's the reality. This is That's what you can experience on the table. So I like the game, and it's the saying in my collection, just because I don't mind to play the same thing over and over as long as it's good. It's like movies. I don't, play, I don't mind playing Back to the Future once a year, Interstellar, 2001 Space Odyssey, any of the Batman movies. I mean... Well, except the George Clooney, but but you know, watch them once a year. I mean, I don't mind them because I I like them. I enjoy it. Same for this. If you're a sucker like me uh, for this art for the theme, then I think you will enjoy it. I think this is a game also can be very fun with kids. I think again, this could be a game that you know you can sit with your kids and come on, let's kill that body, roll that die, and have those experiences of epicness and you know with hits and successes and. And the kids jumping around because they were able to kill the baddie. I, I can definitely see that enjoyment on this game. Also, I mean, uh, grown-ups. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like I will tell you right now, I have some friends that they really get into epic roles. And I already, you know, have them in mind to show them Streets of Steel and let's see how it goes. So there you go. Those are my feelings about the game and also about the previous game that I mentioned, Patria Libre. Uh, you know, the upcoming Kickstarter by Malinche Games and Saul Sanchez. With that being said, uh, we are ready to kick in with the last uh, nine episodes of the show. And, you know, we're going to have interviews. We're going to have giveaways, uh, you know, so stay tuned to that, please. This is the time to stay tuned because I'm trying to interview the celebrities on the hobby, which most of them have confirmed, and I'm adding even more. So please stay tuned for that because I'm pretty sure you will enjoy them a lot. And like always, thank you for your support. Thank you for staying tuned. Thank you for following. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for everything for from the bottom of my heart. This is Derek. And like always, remember... For victory, go tell your friends... Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the table.